The following episode was recorded before March 2024, and while the content shared is valuable and useful, it features Rob, who is no longer involved in the business. Go on then, give us a sniff. <laughs> Lovely. I think someone's got a bit of a cold, haven't they, Robert? I have. Are you feeling a bit sorry for I yourself? I feel a bit poor, oh, I've got a bit of a man dear. flu. <laughs> I did say to Rachel last week when she had a cold, I said, oh, shut up, man, it's only a cold, but now I want some sympathy. <laughs> some people start a podcast by sort of giving a little clap to line up the audio and stuff. We're going with the sniff. Every time I say sniff, are you going to sniff? <laughs> say one, do one sniff for yes and two sniffs for no. Are you ready to start? <laughs> sniff if you're in trouble. <laughs> sniff if you're in trouble. Touch your... Uh, anyway. <laughs> Please welcome my co-host for the episode, the man who keeps dating women called Laura, so he calls them Laura 1, Laura 2, and so on and so forth. Hypnotist, Robert Temple. And the man who has breakfast looking at the sea, but he calls it an ocean every single day. <laughs> it's the mind reader, Kennedy. Let's start the show. moved on to Rachel now. Rachel 1 Rachel. Rachel 1 and Rachel 2. And she doesn't listen to this. Uh, so, so. She will with this one because I've got her inbox <laughs> lined up and ready to go. Although she's probably sick of hearing your bloody sniff so she wouldn't give a toss. You're singing now! I've got my confidence up after we appeared in Andrew and Pete's Christmas song last year. <laughs> Hello, fellow heroes of the email marketing variety. Welcome along to the email marketing show. We're back again. Indeed, it's Rob and Kennedy. Hello. The email marketing heroes. Huzzah. Here we are sharing more amazing ways to be more heroic in your email marketing, of mm-hmm. course. This week, Rob... I thought what we would talk about is how do you come up with questions and ways of engaging people through getting feedback and stuff from your sort of subscribers so you can actually turn that into sales. Because one of the things I think we hear a lot is you should ask your subscribers what what they want and then give them what they want, either through that's going to be your front-end thing, a free thing, or that could end up being your product, right? Yeah, and we should obviously put out there that we have a vested interest in this idea because we created a survey platform that was built to do exactly this. To do this, yes. So there is a bit of a bit of a plug there. If you're interested in using surveys in your marketing and you haven't already, you should go and have a look at Response Suite. It's going to make everything we're going to talk about much easier for you to do. Having said that, there's tons of value in here, so you're going to get lots out of this episode for so, sure. Yeah, okay. So let's just say one of the things that a lot of us do is we focus on and we say we talk about it a lot a lot when we're giving presentations or appearing on other people's podcasts and stuff but we talk a lot about our obsession with chasing new prey with going out and finding new people to sell to when in actual fact the the most income the most revenue you can make for the lowest cost is always the people who are already in your universe. That's people who are already following you on Instagram. That's the people who are already liking your stuff on LinkedIn. It's the people who are already on your email list, who are already in your world, and probably have already spent money with you. Now, one of the things I know a lot of businesses do, especially online course creators, people like us, is we'll, we'll sell a product and yep. people are buying it. So, you know, you're running your ads or you're doing whatever you're doing to get sales. Mm-hmm. Customers come in, they buy your ebook, and it's quite hard to know whether or not they've been through the ebook or not. Like, you can tell whether 
they downloaded it, I suppose, but you can't tell whether they've opened it and read it and consumed it and implemented it. Sure. And then what happens is, basically, they're now just in your universe, and this is one of the things that we started email marketing here was to solve, is they're now in your universe, they're on your list, and now you have to work out, well, where do I email them and what do I email them and when do I send it and how long do I wait and what do they want next and all that stuff. And a lot of, of bloody questions. One of the things that most people don't, and that's just a handful of them, one of the, one of the things most people don't do is to send out emails that just serve the purpose, in theory, of finding out what they thought and how did you get on. In other words, a lot of marketers would see that as a waste of an email because I could be selling something in that email. Yeah, because I think we, do you not think it's because perhaps we often see it as our job as marketers and salespeople via email to like push Right, and because I think a lot of people have actually accepted email marketing for what it is, air quotes, which is a broadcast medium. And we've had this conversation about the fact that really it needs to be a two-way dialogue. Yeah. But what that means is that the realistically, until until you listen to this episode, the only thing you can do is to guess what they might want and send it to them and, okay. and hope and know that some people are going to unsubscribe, some people are going to open it and ignore it, and some people are going to buy it. Okay, so if you'd like to understand what it is your people want, then this is a crackman episode for you to strap yourself in because I think we're going to go into that now. So one of our favourite ways of doing this and the simplest way, it's not rocket science, it's dead easy, is obviously using surveys. So how, how, how does this work? Well, the first challenge you've got uh, with any kind of sequence like this is to make sure that somebody completes that survey. The big problem that a lot of people have with surveys is they're far too damn long and they ask stupid questions that nobody needs the answer to. I'm trying to rack my brains the other day, but I was sat in the office and a survey came through and I put it up on the telly on the wall to show everyone else in the, in the team. And I said, look, this is the problem with surveys. And they weren't using response free. Obviously, that's the first problem. Uh, but aside from that, Ooh, I, opened up, I opened up the survey and there were, it was, I was, the, the progress bar at the top said 5%. So that gives yes, you a clue, another, another one you talked and about. And I can't remember who it was. Anyway, and there was 10 questions on, and that was page one. Of, and you were on 5%. And that was 5%. So there's technically, I guess, 19 Who the hell? Pages, I mean, I, I haven't got time to fill that in. I just, no, I haven't. And that person's probably the same person who's going, oh, nobody fills out me surveys. You're damn right, because I don't want to have to sit and get a university education to actually have to sit and fill out your survey. So keep it dead short. When we say dead short, we're talking about three, maybe four. Let's top it out at five questions. So what should those, should those questions be? Let's say you've just had somebody register for an online or live event. So it could be a webinar or a seminar, something like that. Or someone's just joined your list or someone's just purchased something. So a significant action in your business. We call it a significant action, right? So they've just done that. What we're going to do within the next few days in automation, some kind of automatic campaign, is send them out a link to a survey, which basically, in that, in that email, it just says, I really care about what, what you think about what you've just downloaded or the, re or the thing you've just purchased. So acknowledge the thing that they've just done so they know why that's tied together, so they know it's not random. Yeah. The reason they're getting this is as a direct result of the action they've just taken. So that makes sense. You've created a context for them. And... And then you say, I've put together a three-question survey that involves you clicking the mouse three times, and it will really help me to understand how I can help you best. What I've told them do, by doing that is I've said, it's short, it's quick to fill out. It could be a three-question survey, but if one of my questions is, list the 42 favourite things that you like about living in, the, in a Greek island, then it's going to take you a long time to fill that in. Right. Whereas if I say it's three multiple choice, you click your, click, your, click your mouse twice, I know that I've got time to do that right now. And a big, bold link to go and do it. So now we've got them over to that survey. So that's the first bit. 
What's going to be in the survey and how's it going to be of use to us? So the first question genuinely does have to ask them for some feedback on the thing they just... So in the case of it being a product where somebody's purchased something is the most likely implementation of this. But you would say, what what did you think of the thing? Because it is a customer feedback survey asking customer feedback questions. But what I think a lot of people then do is they need to break that down into every individual tiny little aspect of the thing. So for example, what did you think of the cover? What did you think of the content? What did you think of the delivery? What did you think of this? Like when you go to a restaurant and they send you a survey, typically they ask you, what did you think of the service, the music, the ambience, the food? Now, let me ask you this. Kennedy, out of 10, 1 to 10, 0 to 10, 1 to 10, what would do you think if your product or service is an acceptable number where you'd go, huh, that is good, that's good? What, what would you think? I think the lowest end of good for me is 7. Right. So if somebody says that your thing was an 8, a 9, or a 10, it's definitely, you're okay with that. I'm really happy. Right. Great. In that case, do you really need to know what what made it a nine instead of a 10? No, especially when you, and it really pisses off when it's a restaurant and they say, so you've been to your restaurant and you leave, you get that text and you click on the link in the text and it goes and it says, what did you think of the location? <laughs> well, if I say it's shit, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. Nothing, nothing you can There's do. There's nothing you can nothing do about can it. Do. Like, it's like, if, if you're talking about the service, okay, you can improve that. So they're, may, they're mostly asking stupid questions. So the only time you would ever maybe want to dig into all the individual little bits of it is if they said it was a two. You probably want to know, okay, right, why was it a two? But chances are it's going to be everything. It's like, well, everything was crap. It's only going to be if it's a, if they put you a five or a six, you might be thinking, well, I'm obviously falling over somewhere, but I don't know where. But also, if it's a two, you don't want to then appear some more, make some more questions appear, appear some questions, <laughs> the new, that new uh, adverb, um, appear some new questions, which are about digging into that pain more, making them feel, what? Was, how bad was it? Oh, was it really <laughs> bad? That yeah. You don't want to do that. Instead- Why was it not a zero? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Tell us which bit you particularly hated. <laughs> so, instead, so. instead of that, though, what you should be doing, sorry to just talk over you there, but That's all right. one of the things that you could do at that, but you should do at that point, rather than go and tell us more about that in this anonymous look and survey or this, this uh, personality-less survey, is to say, if they say it's a two, let's get on the phone because I want to talk to you. Right. That's what that person deserves at that level of, of dissatisfaction. Now, the truth is that should be a rarity, shouldn't it? For all of us, that should be yeah, occasionally, stuff, occasionally right? we get somebody didn't like it. And, and I think all businesses and everyone listening to this, us, we should know that that doesn't happen very often. So that's fine. So what that, hopefully, if we, if, if we achieve one thing before we die, and this cold oh, might- I love this, how bloody morbid this is. You've got a bit of a cold, you're not cold dying. This cold might finish me off is all I'm saying. I don't okay. want to be a drama queen. So if you want to apply to be another guest on the, to my, be my <laughs> co-host on the show, by the way, um, I'm, I'm up for it. Um, so if we achieve one thing before we finish our careers and retire or die, I think it needs to be that people- I you were going to say before I finish you off. People will understand and accept the reason why they don't have to ask, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? What do you think yeah. of this? What yeah. do you think of this? It's yeah. not important. No, it's not. And so if somebody says, and that applies to everything, if somebody comes to your seminar and you had 22 speakers on, you don't actually need feedback on every speaker. You just need to know what was, was it? did you like it or not? Did it help you achieve what you wanted it to achieve or not? And if it didn't, then we need to dig into that. Mm -hmm. So for the people who say it was an eight, nine or a 10 or a seven, eight, nine, 10, whatever, you can move on now. And now you can, that's sort of retrospective feedback. That's getting feedback on the thing you've just delivered, the event, the product, the service, whatever it was. And now you can shift over into the second major part of that, which is to say, okay, great. 
what else do you need help with right now? What is your biggest problem? So for example, uh, you've come and you've employed me to help you to grow your Instagram following. I've got you to a million followers in 60 days and I send you, and now we're finished. So I send you a survey and say, what did you think? And you say, it was excellent, 10 out of 10, very good. And now I can say, what else do you need help with now? Is it creating content? Is it monetizing that? Is it doing this? Is it growing your Facebook following? Because at that moment, you're tapping into the person at the, in the psychologically at the moment that they're most happy with you and most proud and they're feeling all fluffy up and excited because you've just completed this bit of work so it makes sense at that point normally you have to pick up the phone and do that back in the old days you pick up the phone and go what did you think of that you'd have the um relationship manager or whatever you would call them and some companies still still have that, one person business that year as well isn't it, it? absolutely hello what do you think of that great what else do you need help with well most of us don't like that kind of direct selling so to do it in this sort of much more well first of all you can automate it because you put it into an automated sequence so it happens every time so even if you're busy or you're feeling a bit glum that day you're feeling a bit crap or you're you're, you're ill, you've got, you've got a cold or whatever it is, that email, that email is still going out and getting that completion. So it means automatically they're telling you, you're getting feedback, good stuff, but now you're also presenting them with a list of things that you do. And that's one of the things I want to highlight before we move on is, yes, they get to tell you which of the things they want, they've got another challenge in, but most of us realise that if our, our most of our customers don't realize all of the things we could do for them. Most people mm -hmm. don't know everything we do here at Email Marketing Heroes. They don't know that we've got some really good copy and paste campaigns in the game plan, and we've got entire courses, and we've got a thing which helps you build your list, and we do consultancy and actually help people to work out what they need to be doing, and we do done-for-you services where we build campaigns, and we've got an event, and like, there's all these, and we've got response to the survey platform. We've all got multiple products, and within what you do, there's elements of what you do, whether it's the content, or the growth, the the strategy, whatever it's going to be. You do lots of different things. If the customers you've already got just knew a few more things that you do, you know that some of them would take you up on it. So by putting them into a survey as a list of which of these things are of interest, or which of these things, if you reframe them as like a challenge, which of these things are you struggling with right now, and would you like some help on, then you're now letting them know, oh, I didn't realize you guys did that or that you could help me with that. So they go, I'm going to check maybe more than one thing. And they're going to check those things. And now, because you've hooked your survey up, if you use Response Suite, uh, or if you don't use Response Suite, you could go in every now and again and check your 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 table, your your results, and say, oh, there's, there's Jessica. She thought we were 9 out of 10. And actually, she also really would like to talk to us about her onboarding email campaign so why don't i get on the phone i'll drop her a quick email and say thanks for that do you want to get on the phone and chat about how we can build that out for you now i don't have to i've skipped a massive part of that of that discovery piece of, of the sales sequence and it's less icky and most importantly jessica in this example has personally decided that she's happy to tell us that information we haven't had to dig for it in a sort of traditional sales way yeah. Really powerful. Now, of course, that's two questions so far in this survey on, well, you could have them on one page. I think I probably would in some circumstances. Depends how you and what it. you could do, of course, but you know, maximum of two pages. And of course, if they say they really like it, then as well as asking them what else they want help with, you could have another question, which is, would you mind giving us a short testimonial? And you can like have it so they can upload their their little picture. So you can use that on the page and you can get a nice testimonial out of it as well. Make that optional so they don't have to do it. But if they want to, they can. Like now, of course, if they say that they're 
their rating of your product or service was lower than you would consider to be good. So if you'd say six, five, four, three, two, one, then of course don't have the new question. And this is just using, you know, conditional skip logic uh, in the survey. You would then have it come up with a different question, which might be, uh, okay, great. When would be a good time for us to jump on the phone and chat? Or can you book a call in here or something? Don't then say, and great, which of these other things would you like us to help you with? Bit of a given, but we'll just point it out to be sure. What's nice about this is then you go and either manually tag the person in your email marketing system or put them on the right list of for interest in the thing they've just told you that they're interested in. Of course, like we said, Response Suite does that automatically. That's why we came up with it and that's why we've developed it here. But you, basically, you want to use that information. That's the most important thing. You've absolutely got to use the information. Most people run surveys once a year, a couple of times a year maybe, or after like they've just had an event. So they... they they don't use that information in real time. If you're going to collect the information and you're going to encourage people to fill out the survey and they're going to invest time in completing your survey, even if it's just clicking a button three times, then make sure you use that information. So now you know all the people who are interested in product A and you can now put them into an automatic sequence of emails or into a broadcast or into some kind of communication that nurtures through them understanding the value of some of your other products that actually solve that problem. So now you've got this automated system where somebody buys your product and then uh, a, a, a while later, a few days later, they get an email that says, great, would you mind telling us what you thought? Quick link to a survey, like you said earlier, tell them it's quick, tell them it's multiple choice, tell them it'll only take a minute. They click twice, they give you feedback and they tell you what they're looking for next. And then they automatically, hopefully, or manually get put into a new sequence that sends them emails to sell them the exact thing they've just said they want help with. So it's lower resistance. Now there's a big important thing that a lot of people forget about this. So please don't forget this. And that is make sure you are able to identify who completed that survey. Right. If there's a couple of ways of doing that, one of them is to add an additional question in the survey, which is what's your email address, and you hope that they they put in the same email address that they've got in your email marketing platform or your CRM, so that that data you're collecting, those choices they make, marry up in your into your, in your in your CRM so that you've got that one view of the customer. What you might end up with then is you might have bob at his website.com and you might have bob at his other website.com. Or you know, info at and yeah. bob at is a common problem. The other way you can do it with uh, with various platforms, including Response Suite, sorry, I don't want this to feel like a Response Suite pitch, but just to let you know, if you want to make this simpler, is you can actually make sure that make that field hidden in the survey so you don't actually have to ask them to type their email address in because once you've emailed them with a link to the survey you can actually invisibly pass their email address into a hidden field so that they don't need to type it in when they hit submit it also gets sent across as well so that will by doing that you will see a higher if you're able to figure out a way of doing that you'll see a higher completion rate because there's no typing involved unless right. you're asking for the testimonial, but you're also reducing the number of questions. So that's really nice as well. One of my favorite places I've come across recently to use this principle is actually after one of these free challenges, you know, the free five-day challenge or yes. whatever. Now we talked about it back in episode 17 as one of the lead magnet ideas, but I'm sure you've seen them before. Somebody registers for a free challenge, a five-day, you know, brand building challenge or something where you're going to help somebody design their brand if that's what you do. Uh, they go through this five-day challenge and at the end of it, somewhere built into that challenge there's going to be a they're on your list now but somewhere at the end of that challenge there's going to be a pitch to join your membership or join your coaching program or right. consulting work whatever you now, make an offer a bunch of people are going to take that offer hopefully if you've done it right a lot a bunch of people aren't the best place to one of my favorite places to use this principle is right after that challenge so the people who don't buy it they get a customer feedback survey 
uh, I wouldn't bother the people who did buy it actually truthfully, but the people who didn't buy it, they get a customer feedback survey that says, hey, thank you so much for completing that five-day challenge. Look, I'm probably going to do something similar in the future next year or whatever. Um, so I just want to make sure I know how I can improve and, and what you thought of it. Would you fill in this quick survey? It's three, two questions. It'll take you less than a couple of minutes. You send them the survey. They say, would you rate the challenge out of 10? And they sort of say seven, eight, nine. And what they're sort of doing is they're reminding themselves how much they enjoyed going through this course that you put together. Because basically a challenge is like a little course, isn't it? So they're reminding themselves how much they enjoyed going through this little course you put like together. This. And now you say, great, which of these is your biggest problem right now? And now at this point, I would now list all of the reasons why somebody might buy your course. So I'm really short of time and I don't know what to do next. And, you know, whatever the object, whatever the reasons are that somebody should be paying you The money. big benefits or whatever. And then they choose the one or the ones that are most relevant, probably the one, and then they click next. So now they can go into a sales process that sells them the thing they didn't buy after the challenge, but you specifically tackle it from the angle that they said they've got a problem, why it's a problem. So you have another, another series of three or four conversion email sequences which are specifically easy for you to say is specifically from that angle to overcome that objection yeah and 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 talking about that one challenge that they've currently got yeah it's really really powerful stuff absolutely love it uh if you want the show notes on this i wouldn't blame you because there's a lot going on rob i'm going to find the show notes for this you can one. find them over at the email marketing show.com forward slash questions that's questions. That's where you'll find it. And of course, like Rob said, we talked about the challenge thing. If you want to go back to episode 17 and check that one out. But now I think it's time we listen to, and um, we got our, one of our listeners' questions. Hi, it's Jennifer McDonald Nethercott from Strath Communications. Do you have any tips for writing that will increase the number of click-throughs in an email? It's a cracking question, Jennifer, and we've got to ask ourselves... What would Julie Andrews do? I think one of the biggest things with writing so that the con is, is so to create the content in such a way that compels people to click a link in the actual email itself. A lot of people think, oh, I'll just create some nice content that sounds good and I'm telling a lovely story in this email. I'm just having a lovely time and then, oh, by the way, go and click this thing. Instead... You have to know that when they click that link, they have to be going somewhere. They have to be compelled to get to that place. So the, the whole email needs to be leading to the point of, oh, I want more information, and I'm leading them to going and clicking the link to find out more or to watch a video or for what that reason is. So realize you're not trying to get people to click links. You're trying to get people to learn more or to watch a video or to opt in for a thing or sign up for something else. So make sure you write that, that, that email from the beginning with the one intention of getting them to click that link and to consume the bit of information to take the next step. Rob? A couple of ideas on this. The first one is don't just put a link in the email and then go, well, it's got a link in it so they can click it, but actually put different links throughout the email and link them in different ways. So for example, we've talked about this in a podcast episode. I think it was like episode number three or something. Um, <laughs> episode three, I think. Uh, what you want to do is you want to, so for example, one of them might be click here to watch the video. But earlier on in the email, you might have had a thing saying, you know, hey, Jennifer, I've just written this quick, uh, so I've just recorded this quick video for you and you could link the words this quick video for you and they can click that as well. So give them different types of call to action, different reasons for clicking. The other one is in the earliest days of somebody becoming a subscriber, train them to click links in your emails. As part of your getting to know you sequence, as part of your onboarding sequence that gets them when they when they first become a subscriber, give them different types of things to click on. So get them to click to go and download the free report they opted in for. Uh, put a PS that says, also, make sure you go and listen to my podcast because that's one of the other places I share stuff with you. Or follow me on Instagram. Train them to get used to clicking links by giving them lots of things they can click on for different reasons in that first email. 
That's two minutes of answering Jennifer's question. That was a, that was a great question. Pretty good, that one. Thank you for that. If you want to leave us a, a recording just like Jennifer did uh, with your questions, make sure you go over to theemailmarketingshow.com, hit the big obnoxious orange button, and you can record it straight from any device which has a microphone attached to it, including your phone. So there you go. Well, that was that was lovely. I think it's now time for... Subject line of the week. Subject line of the week. And you've got, got a, one, haven't you? I've got a cracking one from Kelvin Dorsey. So thanks uh, for sending this one out, Kelvin. It's, it's a really brilliant one. It says, a booze-soaked lesson for the modern copywriter. I'm in. <laughs> I mean, it's what I really like about it is, so he goes on, basically the, the context for this is he talks about how his favourite drink and what he does and how he how he sort of uses that to leverage and, and come up with angles for writing copy and, and talking about people, talking to people in a conversational way as if you're having a drink with them. Right. Is essentially the idea and it talks about where that came from. So what what do you like about it? So it's I'm got bo- a sense of drama to it, doesn't it? Like, it really does. For example, it's... <sighs> It paints a really good picture. But it hasn't gone too far. So, for example, it doesn't say the alcoholic copywriter's tip. The word alcoholic doesn't paint a picture particularly. Booze-soaked, in my head, I'm building that picture up of there's a person literally lying down just in the street, in the gutter, completely covered. They may not be an alcoholic. They're just absolutely, like, they're just, I think of them actually as soaked, literally poured alcohol on them funnily enough but i mean i haven't read the email but i'm assuming that it's not actually about somebody who's truly an alcoholic so the other thing is the word alcoholic would be too inflammatory if that's the word it could be be. it would be too blown out of proportion whereas reading that it sounds like you know you could you could that that email could be a whole bunch of things uh they could be i've spilt the drink over me it could just be i spilt it over the paper i was writing on it, it and it would be fine so i think it's an interesting word Rather than it's a good turn of phrase. I think one of the things we should all start doing is collecting those turns of phrase. Have a little document on your phone. I've started doing this uh, over the last sort of few years. Is if I hear a good turn of phrase, I'll just write it in my phone. So I'll use that at some point. And the big thing for subject lines, which I think a lot of us forget to do, is paint mental pictures with right. them. Like that is a real. You can really see that in your mind. The other thing I really like about that, just before we wrap up on that one, is that. Um, you can tell that the, the word booze is the word that he uses in everyday life. Whereas and, and a lot of us are yeah. far too scared to use the word. Like, for example, we're from the Northeast. Even though our subscribers, a lot of them aren't, we could easily use the words, you know, uh, howe if we wanted to. And it yeah. would be fine. People would get into it. I'll read. I'll read. I love it. I love it. That was this week's subject line of the week. Subject line of the week. It's been a long old episode. And we're going to try and keep it a little bit snappier, I think, in the future because we've just blathered on and got excited about carried all this stuff. Carried away. We've just got a wee bit carried away. But if you haven't already, make sure you do hit, hit smash the subscribe button on your podcast player and we can go over and listen and listen to this again on the on the show notes page but of course read the show notes for this over at theemailmarketingshow.com slash questions and hey while you're out and about while you're hitting subscribe on your podcast player if you want to do us a massive solid and leave us a little review that'll be very lovely of you <laughs> I think that's it for this week Rob we'll see you next week see ya the email marketing show go on give us one more sniff Disgusting. You're, uh, you're going to use that on your next challenge, aren't you? What a sniff. No, <laughs>